How will you choose a great writing program? Before you spend a lot of money and frustrate your child and yourself, what should you look for? Welcome to Epic Mom Life. I am your host, Kara Peterson. This show is sponsored by The Possum's Tale, a unique book adventure for your 6 to 12-year-old child. Let's jump into today's show. Are you looking for a new writing curriculum? Or are you going to a homeschool writing convention this year? How will you choose a great writing program? What should you look for? I would love to help. I love to teach kids how to write. Before you spend a lot of money and frustrate your child and yourself, look at these tips and make sure you get the checklist that I'm going to talk to you about later. Preparation. You should do some preparation before you even leave your house. It's really important to do some thinking before you consider buying a homeschool program. My objective is not to tell you which great program you should buy because depending on how you homeschool, a different one is going to be more conducive to your needs. So determine how you homeschool. There are many different ways to homeschool and each lends itself better to a different style of writing program. I covered these different writing, these different homeschool programs in a previous episode, so that'll be in the notes. So briefly you have traditional, this is the mom and child at home and the parent is the educator. The co-op, this is where you usually have it hosted in a separate place and a bunch of parents have a bunch of their children and different parents teach different subjects that they're passionate about or know a lot about. Then you have the online. This is usually done at home and it's usually done by the child mostly by themselves, self-paced, and the parent just usually checks in from time to time. Experience-based. You can have different kinds of experience-based. Common ones are unschool and road school. Children usually are considered natural learners and that they are also naturally curious and therefore they will determine their own path of learning. Secular versus non-secular. This isn't really a method of teaching, it's more of a philosophy, but it is important for you to know yours because you have all kinds of writing programs out there and you'll be able to find one that's conducive to your philosophy. Then you have units and themes. Again, this isn't really a method of teaching, it's more of a philosophy of teaching, like a way you want to teach. Know if this is how you want it, the instrument of way you want it done, because you can easily find writing programs that teach through units or themes. Involvement. This is a real sticky one and it's really important you pay attention to this. This is not a judgment. This is not a shaming thing. It's nothing like this, but it is important that you are realistic. First, you need to know what your child's needs are for your involvement. Because if you're homeschooling and your child needs you to be there, you need to figure out how that's going to work with you two together. Secondly, you need to honestly determine how often you can give time to your child for their writing. That's it. This is different if you are a 10 minutes a day or in a five-day-a-week school, five school week, 50 minutes a week person. It's the same amount of time, right? It's no big deal. 
it is a big deal when you're looking at these writing curriculums or programs because what ends up happening is some of them require you to be hands-on every single day and it may only be for five to ten minutes but if you don't have that kind of involvement that you can give but you're like oh I can sit down for like an hour every week there may be a program that actually that's exactly what they require they don't need you to be there for the every single day but they need you to be there for a lot bigger chunk of time at the end neither is bad neither is good they are just different and you need to find the program that is right for what you need learning style we all have a way we learn it used to be there were three main learning styles you had visual auditory and kinesthetic they have since gone back and added some now you have solitary read write mathematical or logical and social I think that those last four also kind of go with the first three so for example if you're a read write person I think you're also kind of a visual person if you're a social person you may be auditory visual or kinesthetic but you do better when you're around other people solitary my guess is that you're usually a visual or an auditory person you see what I'm saying that kind of thing so I think you mainly have the three but you do better in the other for example I don't do well learning on my own but I'm a visual learner so you need to know how your child learns because they're gonna you're gonna find a writing program it's gonna be a great writing program but it may not be right for your child and that doesn't mean that your child's a bad writer it just means that this is not a good program for them so that's what I meant at the very beginning where you're gonna spend money and you're gonna frustrate your child you need to figure out how your child learns well how do you do that there are a plethora of quizzes and all kinds of things assessment tools online where you can just Google in how do I figure out how my child learns or what my child's learning style is and then you just go through it and you can kind of weed it out you can take three or four and you'll probably come up with a, the very same answer so I would go with it that way as a heads up kinesthetic kiddos in my opinion are the very hardest to teach writing why well because at some point they're gonna have to sit down and write now they can type and that's movement but you have to write go online if you have a kinesthetic kiddo and look for homeschool writing curriculums for kinesthetic kids they have this I already looked it up they have moms that have been frustrated with the public school system because their kids are acting out or their kids aren't learning or whatever and it turns out it's because even as teachers they're trained how to teach everybody but in a classroom with so many kids they can't go to every style and kinesthetic is harder so that one gets shoved aside and it isn't a larger percentage of kids that learn that way but if your kid learns that way you need a you need a way to give them that and there are ways to do that and other mothers have figured this out you don't have to recreate the wheel you don't have to make this really hard that's not what you signed up for in homeschooling you signed up for helping your child learn better and easier and in your way you can do that just Google it Google's amazing right another thing cost expense is a factor many homeschool writing programs most of them are expensive when you look at cost you can look at a couple other things that may ease your wallet a little bit first can you reuse the program a lot of times there's like forums out there Facebook programs all kinds of things on getting homeschool curriculum that's used a lot of times you can get the bulk of it used, but then you need to get the workbook or something that's supplemental new 
Well, that still cuts down on your cost quite a bit. Also, can you reuse the program for younger siblings? Again, a lot of times you need to get the workbook or I don't know if this is cheaper, but you can photocopy certain pages that aren't written in and then use it for other ones. I don't know. I, it's not that I'm saying that I would, that's a good idea because that would be a copyright issue, but I'm saying that you can figure out ways to make this work within your family for all of your kids. Also, and this to me makes an expensive homeschool program worth it. And this is, I looked at a lot of homeschool writing programs. There was only one that I thought was a good writing program. Only one. And you'll read all about these things in what to avoid in homeschool writing programs. That's next week. But this one was part of a continuous writing program. And that's what you're going to look for. Is what you're buying a one and done or is it part of a continuous program? Can your child grow in this program? Can they start in kindergarten and can they go all the way through 12th grade? Now there's certain things you're going to look for and we're going to look at that after we're prepared. But if they can do that, it's worth the money. Why is it worth the money? Well, you as a parent are going to have to learn how to use this program. We're going to talk about that later. Your child has to learn how to use the program. Not just how to write, not just how to understand what they're doing with writing and grammar and all of those things. They have to learn how to use this method. They do that every year in school when they have new teachers, right? They have, how do they please the teacher? How do they do their papers? How do they, stuff that isn't even part of writing. It's the same way with homeschool curriculum. So if you're turning this over every single year, they're spending valuable time learning how to use the curriculum that they get every year. If you can stick with one curriculum, then they're doing the exact same thing every single year. You're grading the exact same way every single year. You're teaching the exact same way every single year. What they're learning is different. What you're grading, what you're assessing is different. What you're talking about is different. They're growing in their skills. They're growing in their knowledge. But they don't have to waste that time learning the book. To me, that is worth paying for. Okay, you're prepared now. You know exactly what to do before you walk out the door. You know how you want to teach, the time you will be able to give, your child's best way of learning for success, and you'll be able to keep in mind factors for expense. I'm just going to remind you, I have a checklist for all of this. You can get that in the description notes. It has what you should do for preparation. Check, check, check. What you should ask. What questions you should ask. Check, check, check. And what you should look for, which is what we'll cover next week. Check, check, check. So get that. Okay, you're ready to shop homeschool writing programs. Look at the program. I know that sounds so silly, but thumb through it. Feel it. Touch it. The reason this is important is a lot of people can say, oh my gosh, this program was the best program ever. My kid loved it. Well, if you open it, you can say, oh my heck, my child will look at this and their eyeballs will cross because it's little print and it's just print, 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 print. My child likes graphic organizers, you know, or like big blocks over here and big blocks over here and big print and bold print and light print and da 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 And they like it so that things pop on a page. The program needs to be user-friendly. So not only are you going to look at 
what you'll be using, but you'll look at what your child will be using. That's really important. What should your child be doing? Oh, this is a controversial question, and I'm really sure I'm going to upset some of you. Before I get into this, I know, I understand, a lot of people who are homeschooling left the schools because they don't want the school curriculum. I totally get that. However, I am of the belief that I need to know where my child will be at the beginning of the year and where they should be at the end of the year so that I can get them to that point. Also, if I were homeschooling, I would want to know for my college-bound child, I had two different child kinds of kids. I had more of a trade school kid and more of a homeschool or college-bound kid. For the college-bound kid, they needed to take college entrance exams. I would want to make sure that they had everything learned. Check, check, check. So that they could, most likely, pass those tests because, assumedly, a child who goes through public school can pass those tests if they get all of those things done every single year. So, you are going to cheat if you are like me and you want to know what your child should be doing. All this is, is if you remember having your child that first year, if you got one of the old books, it was called What to Expect the First Year. While you were pregnant, it was What to Expect When You're Expecting. All it was is a month-by-month thing of what the baby should be doing their first month, their second month, their third month. You know, this is when they should roll over. This is when, you know, they might be saying consonant vowel combinations, things like that. That's all this is. So what is it? State standards. If you live in Idaho, Idaho state standards for students. In Arizona, all I have to look up is Arizona state standards. And then I look up the subject. Now, the biggest source of dissension is social studies, so don't look that one up. Just do what you're going to do in social studies. But in ELA, which is English Language Arts, it has by grade, including kindergarten, every single thing that child should be learning for the year. It has even a synopsis on the very front page, and then it goes into detail on every page. So it has writing, understanding, comprehension, reading, speaking, Grammar. Grammar, spelling is in grammar. So it has when they should be able to spell um, irregular verbs. So this isn't a content or a philosophy kind of thing. It's they should be able to spell irregular verbs, that kind of thing. And then if you go into the finer detail pages, it gives you things like O-U-G-A-H or, you know, that kind of stuff. And And so it just has endings that it's being more specific about. It also tells you for writing, and this is important because in a lot of the writing programs I saw, it didn't have a varied type of writing. The students were being taught how and expected to write. For example, you should be writing things like narrative and persuasive and descriptive, opinion, which, yeah, expository, letter or memo writing. So there's all these different styles of writings that your children will be responsible for because for the writing example, they don't know what they'll be asked to write. So at every different level, there's certain ones, certain types of writing that they'll be asked to write. That's all the state standards do. 
They don't say, this is how you need to teach this. This is the book in language arts you need to read. They don't say that. They just say, these are the skills your child should, should know. So I would say, look at those because then you can look at what these curriculum are teaching, what these programs are teaching. And this is going to be really blatantly clear when you look at the what to avoid when you're in a homeschool writing program. So look at that one next year. But you should know pretty much what your child should be looking at. <laughs> Enough about that. Parent education. When you're homeschooling, it's just you. And that is not a bad thing. That's just the way it is. You are not expected to be an expert in everything at all. However, you do need to be able to find the information. And every single curriculum, every single program, everything out there should have a parent's guide, an educator's guide, that kind of thing. This is critical in writing because writing can be very objective. How do you, how do you assess a child's writing? How do you say, well, this is a good writing and this isn't a good writing? Well, that's really objective. You need to know how you're going to do this. And then you need to help your child if they're having trouble with a difficult concept. So the homeschool writing program you choose should have a way to help you as your child's teacher walk into the program and help your child grow as a writer, assuming you are not a writer. Now you may be a writer. This isn't me saying like dummying down or anything. But seriously, if I were homeschooling my kids in math, I would need somebody to help me go through these steps. You're not expected to know. So, and what if you do know how, but you forgot what a homonym was, or you forgot what a introductory phrase was, or clause, or whatever? It's okay. They, they just should have a way of getting you through these things. And one of the best ways they can help you do this is rubrics. Oh my heck, I totally love rubrics. Rubrics are an objective way to assess writing. It's basically them in a nutshell. Everybody should be using rubrics across the board for writing. Writing is assessed on predetermined factors. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. Predetermined factors. That means before your child picks up their pen or pencil, they have a little list. This is what you're going to be assessed on. The reason why is because when they're concentrating their efforts on this writing, they need to know exactly what they're looking at. Now you may be thinking, well, they need to do this and this and this and this and this and this. At the very beginning, they start very simple. Okay, so let's look at a child, say in first grade. We're gonna start with a rubric for a sentence. There should be a capital at the beginning, and punctuation at the end, and I want it to have a subject. So we're gonna have had a lesson on subjects. Those are the three things we're gonna talk about. Once they have this down, once they understand what this is, we're gonna add a predicate, okay? Once they have that down, we're gonna add an adjective. So do you see where I'm going? We're starting to add things to our rubric, but we haven't forgotten the other four. We're starting to add things. That's it. That's what a rubric does. I loved them for writing and my students did too because they knew that when I gave them the assessment, I was grading, for example, on the use of introductory clauses 
flow of ideas and strong topic sentences. Or I was concentrating on transition words, complex sentences, and a really good introduction and conclusion. And we'd already covered, this is really important. I didn't assume they knew what a good introduction and a good conclusion was. So it says in there what a good introduction and good conclusion was. So you have to have all of that to build the success of the writer. But also, can you see how your writer can grow? Because you, as the educator, starts them on tasks. Okay, so when we start with that sentence example, they knew what a capital was, they knew what a period was, but they didn't know what a subject was. So we reached. We reached just a little bit, but we reached. Well, then once they learned that, we added a predicate. We're just reaching a little bit, but we reached. So they're growing, and that's what we want. We want them to grow. But we didn't say, I want you to write a complex sentence with an introductory phrase. Oh my heck, in first grade, that's like, seriously? However, by the time they're at the end of first grade, I don't think they'll be doing introductory clauses, but they may be able to do two or three sentences and they may be able to use adjectives and adverbs, something like that. So that's why it's so important that you are able to use this because now you're going to go into the next thing you're looking for, beginning and end. Is your child going to grow from the beginning of the year to the end of the year? And it's really easy to tell in a curriculum if that's going to happen if you have rubrics. So if the program does not have rubrics, that doesn't make it a crummy program, but it makes it a much more difficult program for both of you to use, and it makes assessment much less objective. So I don't... I would not buy anything with that doesn't use rubrics just because I believe so wholeheartedly in them for both people, the assessor or the parent, the educator, and the child. However, if it does, if it does have rubrics, you can easily see. Just look at that very first rubric and then look at the one at the end of the year. First of all, has your child already blown through all of those things? Do they already know how to do them all? If so, you need to reassess where is your child at and do they really need to do that? Do they just go to the next level? And two, are they overwhelmed at the beginning of the year? Maybe they need to go back. Or are they underwhelmed at the end of the year? So does it ask them to do the exact same thing at the beginning of the year as it does at the end of the year? If so, that is a flashing neon sign, okay? There was no growth. And why are you spending a lot of money if your child is not growing? You can take a lot of guesswork out of buying a homeschool writing program by being prepared, knowing how you homeschool, and the time that you have to be involved. You also need to know your child's learning and style, so once you know that, you are ready to dive into evaluating the program. In order to find a great program, know what your child should be learning this year, look for rubrics for assessment, and ascertain if the program teaches you how to use the program, and then make absolutely certain that your child learns different skills and knowledge from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. If you wanna know what you should absolutely look out for, watch next week's episode in What to Avoid When Purchasing a Homeschool Writing Program. The quote this week, Dr. Larrabee, where do you think big words come from? Aquila, people with big brains, from Aquila and the Bee. If you are hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, I want to send you a huge thank you. 
please leave me a comment or review and share with other moms you know. Get in touch in the comments or on Kara's social media networks. See you next week for a new episode.